This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher... And Eric. Eric Shaw Quinn. And we're on new microphones. Do we sound better? I think we had our new microphones on the last few episodes. Oh, so the, we're on new mic stands. Do we sound better? Yeah, do we sound better? Go on the Facebook page for The Dinner Party Show. Tell us whether or not we sound better. But there are new pieces of our studio arriving. Like, like we have new, we have a new wire. We have a new, um, Eric has a new arm. There's a new ballroom. <laughs> There's a new wine room. Right. It's just a lot. It's a lot going on here at The Dinner Party Show presents. Our beautiful Sunset Boulevard studios. and Eric. Here and in our, beautiful yes. West Hollywood. We made a joke earlier that we were we got our notes confused for this episode we were going to do Eric was going to do one podcast and I was going to do another and podcast and you could just switch back and forth between the channels or you could just not li- you could just play one and only listen to one of us or you could have two podcasts right exactly clearly we didn't really work this idea out cuz we're still doing two different <laughs> podcasts when we talk about this idea and it would require us to you know uh, understand technically how any of that would be possible so we're gonna do the part or of the desirable. We're gonna do the part of the podcast that I call um, free chat because podcasts are in such short supply. It's so hard <laughs> to find a podcast to listen to. We're gonna do free chat, which is the part that I don't like because it's unscripted and unstructured. Not like everything else we do is scripted here, but um, right, boy, you really this should have killed you by now. <laughs> Christopher's control issues should have taken him down by now. This thing has been such a complete crapshoot from the beginning. I mean to tell you. I the mean to tell you. The moments have been just delightful as we've gone along. I guess you've probably gotten more easygoing because we have not gotten more. Well, I certainly haven't gotten more uh, scripted. Let's no. go with that. I, I think anything with you is a crapshoot, Eric Shaw Quinn. But it anything, means any, particularly if I'm driving. Oh no, that's not a thing that's happened. That we're not. We don't need to do that. We well, California is no longer on board with that. That's so true. That's over. But California didn't weigh in on your ability to get so distracted while driving that you turned your face away from the wheel and began telling a wonderful and clever story while other cars whizzed by you. Well, you know, it looked good the last time I looked out that front part. <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't a big deal because you never drove a 
above 15 miles an hour. So how bad could the resulting wreck really be? I drove the speed limit. I That's drove what drove everybody limit. crazy. Minus 10 or 15, the speed limit. Minus the speed limit is lower than you think. I know, and that's why nobody drives it. A lot it. of the time. I know, and right. I did, and it was... I. It wasn't a conscious choice. It just happened that way. Listen, driving was not your calling. Talking is. I never liked driving. It was never like my favorite thing. It was just a necessary evil. And we've arrived at a place in the world (laughs) where- A necessary evil. Absolutely. One of the greatest technological advances of the 20th century. It's a necessary evil. It was freedom. Like I think the um, mass transit in cities like London and and, uh, New York is far more advanced than getting in some little- piece of shit box and drive it somewhere. Right. Okay. Could I get some clarity on what's going on? Did you have a cord incident? Because your head is disappearing from my view. I'm just doing yes, a play-by-play for the listeners at home. I'm having a cord incident. <laughs> You're my, having a cord incident. My headset incident. has gotten tangled in my chair. There. There. There we are. Very exciting. This is me wandering around the ballroom where we're recording this. Absolutely. We, we had a new ballroom. Why not record it there this time? Well, so I have a question for our yes. listeners. Oh, I'm sorry. Not for me. I'll go do something else. You go go fix me I'll something to eat. go find a magazine. I'm hungry. Go make me something to eat, Eric Shaw Queen. Yeah, that, that's going to work out great for you. Make me something useful. How many of you out there know that our studio has red drapes in it? Something useful? <laughs> make me something useful? I think I said that make yourself useful. Or I don't know. Make me like a tool kit or like a screwdriver or a flint so I can start a fire. Or a pinafore. How many of you out there, before I asked this question, knew that we have red drapes in our studio? Because I've just, you know, we had a conversation recently about branding and whatnot, and I realized nobody gets to see our red drapes. Yeah, we have a beautiful studio, and nobody really sees it. Yeah, so we're going to try to do something with video There've in the new year. There have been little glimpses of it. But we're going to the... try to do some video stuff in the new year. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to be waiting right It'll here. It'll go as well as all of our giveaways have gone. We did this one thing one time with this um, consultant, this idiot consultant, mm-hmm. who shall remain nameless, but his initials were... S-T-U-P-I-D, um, <laughs> convinced us to install um, oh, security cams in the um, sound. They did not record sound, but security cams in the studio because he said we could just sync the sound from the show to the security cams and then you'd be able to see it. So we bought an entire security cam system and had it installed in here, but on the condition that if it didn't work, I could hit him. Yes. And I didn't get to, so I just, wherever you are, um, Mm -hmm. I, you need to stop by the office so I can hit you because it never worked. It never worked. It was a nightmare. Along with everything else he suggested. Yeah, he was was one of the worst one of the many, I really, the, one of my great regrets, and I am not the biggest fan of reality television, but one of my great regrets is that we did not film the process of getting this show on the air. Because mm-hmm. it took forever and was just completely insane. Well, we were also doing something different than what we do now. And if you're you're just coming to us, we had a previous, I'm sorry, that's my, my orchestra is here to begin playing. <laughs> What was that, a weather alert one of us got? We don't have weather here. We live in Southern California. Time to hit the little, yeah. Yeah. So we were doing a live show, or we were getting ready to do a weekly live broadcast, and so the technical considerations were far more infinite than what we were dealing with with a recorded podcast. So there was a lot of work to do, and we had to deal with a lot of consultants, and a lot of them were complete lunatics and terrible to work with. All of them. Every last one of them, until Brandon came to us. We love you, Brandon. And saved us. Um, They were all completely insane. If you don't know who Brandon is, he's our sound engineer and heterosexual culture consultant. <laughs> he lets us know what's going on in the minds of straight people the world over. And but the rest uh, of the world is thinking. The latest developments. got a clue. The latest developments in barbecue and country Football music and, and yeah, other stuff. I don't know if he's a fan of country music or not. We'll find out, I'm sure. We'll find out. He'll yeah, have really, plenty to say really during the break that. about it. Um, no. No, we're hearing. Okay. We got, yeah, the word is no. I didn't, I, yeah, I had never heard that one before. Only Johnny Cash, he says, but Johnny Cash is the, Everybody yeah, loves everybody. Johnny Cash. Everybody loves Johnny Cash. Everybody really does. Yeah, I like, I always like the, um, I think it was, God, I can't remember. I, I almost said Cab Calloway, but it wasn't Cab Calloway. I think it was 
Nat King Cole? No, it wasn't Nat King Cole. It was some really famous black composer who said there are two kinds of music, good music and bad music, and I prefer good music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's kind of my mm-hmm. my bracket because there is country music that I like. It's yeah. not my biggest thing. I just – I'm amazed at the number of award shows they have for country music. It's like mm-hmm. – I, I don't know how they get any tours done or anything recorded <laughs> because like every month there's another um, award show. The ACM, right. the CAM, the MCA, the yeah. AMCMA. The, it's like, my God. Mm-hmm. And they act like it's the big – everyone is the big thing. Yeah. If they have the Grammys once a month, you know, it would cut back music by – 50%, I think people wouldn't have time to produce it. The story I always heard was that SoundScan, uh, when that was invented and they actually started tracking what kind of music people were buying, it turned out, oh, most people buy and love country music, yeah. and we've been completely ignoring it for all these years. It's like romance novels. Oh, this is what people are actually buying. Oh, right. Oh, there are a lot of women who like certain things. Oh. Oh, that's always the one. Oh, yeah. women vote? Oh, women go to the movies? <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Surprise. So I don't want to get us into our topic too quickly, but I do want to tell people that there is a topic to this episode. Well, and we're actually sort of leading up to it. Yeah, that was are. kind of a good lead-in for Yay, us. us. We, we tripped into that. And I the topic is that I joined TikTok. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the topic of this episode. No, that's really not ever going to be the topic, I don't think. Um, we're going to be talking about the pop culture we love this year. It's so coming that expression up- that you make on TikTok is, is interesting. Wait, which expression? The one. When I say the word TikTok or the no, one it's that... the one where you're like considering what you should do because mm-hmm. you can't you don't know anything about TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. That's my expression. confused expression. Okay, good. It's your Christopher expression. I'm it's glad your you're down with it. Middle-aged man ex- facial expression. I like it. Okay, good. Excellent. Um, back to the topic. That's enough free chat. You're the one who said the topic was TikTok. I know, and you went bitch. off running with it, bitch. Um it's it's basically our year-end pop culture roundup. We're going to talk about the movies, the TV shows, and the and some of the books that we love this year. So you could just switch it off. So, <laughs> so it's just going to so be just bullshit. It's like, a, it's a boring placeholder episode. If you're stuck in the car with your kids, maybe us or my it, favorite murder. Yeah, really I don't know. Sell it, Christopher. Get in there and <laughs> really sell the. We're not going to be operating at full strength, much like a lot of TV and movies this year. <laughs> It was a challenging it year was. to put together this list. I realized I one of the things that really blew me away was realizing how much of what I thought I had loved this year was actually from 2021. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. An enormous number of things that I thought I had loved this year were actually last year. But let's also add something here. You and I have not physically gone back to the movies yet. We have not been back to a movie theater. I was thinking about that. I don't think I have no. seen a movie in a movie theater since... Um, before the pandemic. So yeah. that has changed a little bit, but not a lot, because I think I've seen pretty much everything that was a big release because streaming has become such a phenomenon. Well, and the thing that I most wanted to see in the theater that was exclusive to the theaters, which was Bros, uh, the gay rom-com with Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane, did so poorly in the theaters that they shortened the window period to like two weeks. I mean, it popped up online almost right away. I was expecting to have to wait longer. There is actually one coming up called, uh, let's see, did I write it down? It's called Spoiler Alert. Oh, what is that? It's um, a gay, it's a gay romance movie. Oh. That's coming up soon. I think like um, in December, early December, um, with uh, Jim Parsons, and I don't know that I knew the oh. other guy. And it, I saw the trailer for it last night, and it looks kind of amazing. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this could be... True this story. Could, this might could work. It's a true story. It's Michael Oziello who works for TV Line. It's the true story of him and his boyfriend. And well, that's all actually, I'll say. Yeah, but it's actually a romance, you know, mm-hmm. whereas I don't think... I don't think Bros worked because it was two different movies happening at the same time. Yeah. We haven't talked about Bros on this podcast yet, but Billy Eichner obviously made headlines by accusing everybody who didn't like it of being a homophobe. So Yeah, so that I guess was I'm a homophobe. Yeah. Um, I guess that makes me a homophobe. But yeah. I didn't I did actually that's not fair. I didn't not like it. I I just felt like he should have been in a different movie. I think Billy Eichner could have been in a successful movie that was a darkly comic um, movie, bitter look mm-hmm. at what it is to be like 
what it is like to be a gay man dating, particularly Mm -hmm. in the time period that people like Billy and me and whatever have been alive. It's it's still not great. Mm -hmm. It's still like there are still people who want to kill you or think you shouldn't have equal rights and stuff. There's still plenty of homophobia. Right. I hope that it's better than it was. But for a very long time, it's been pretty ghastly. And the way that we treat each other is also really terrible. And he touched on that. And I think he could have written a movie that would have been really funny, Mm -hmm. that would have been appropriate for him to be in, um, that would have been more about that. And then there was this other romance movie that sort of glanced off of bros but never really took root with Mm. the one with Luke McFarlane. So, yeah, I think Billy should have made a different movie for Billy that was written mm-hmm. for Billy because I don't think this movie was. I just I was I never really bought him in that role. And mm-hmm. I think it hurt the movie. And I don't think anybody knew who they were. Julia Roberts and George Clooney made a mm-hmm. rom-com that came out a couple of weeks ago that's made one hundred and fifty million dollars. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, there have yeah. been successful rom-com movies. Made, so I don't think the form is dead, but. It was Julia Roberts and George Clooney. It wasn't two actors that you've never really seen or never really heard of. or, You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. needed a movie star. And while I like both of them in their own way and in their own genre, I don't know that Luke or Billy were really a movie star. Mm-mm. It'll be interesting to see how Jim performs because he was really a TV superstar. And that worked for um, Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. Trying to translate TV stardom onto the big screen, and so we'll see how that plays for, for Parsons. But it looked like it was going to be a more poignant and touching story, something that was a little more romantic and a little less bitter. I thought it was an interesting opportunity to examine the the difference between famous and Twitter famous. I think I I, I like a lot about Billy Eichner, and I believe a lot of most of what he believes. But I think that his persona is hostile, and it, his comedy right. is sort of vaguely abusive, and it was hard to watch that in a romantic comedy, well, as you're just saying. Didn't play, and I I think the thing that was was um, distressing to me was his reaction. I thought his reaction to the movie not performing well was sanctimonious and inappropriate. <laughs> and I, I, it was just ridiculous. What if I had gotten out there and said all book critics who didn't like A Density of Souls were homophobes? There were plenty of gay people who didn't like my books because they don't like the kind of genre fiction that I write. I'm not going to accuse them of homophobia. That's just absurd. So there was that, and it's so color. I came. I didn't see the movie until after that, so it was in my head the whole time. And seeing that character act that way, uh, <laughs> the way that Billy Eichner acts, yeah. um, was uh, was a challenge. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. But that said, you know, I I think that whether bros succeeded or not, it was something that we wanted to actually see in the movie theaters. It yeah, just right. was gone and available streaming really fast. And so that's ended up being the way that we we streamed it. I would have that was one that I yeah. would have gone to see in the movie theaters just because I was really curious about it, but it just it didn't work out that way. So I bought it. That was what I did to support it when it was available right. for sale and I actually purchased thing. it, which I often do with gay stuff to create a market for. But I before I make it sound like stuff. the fact that we haven't gone back to movie theaters means we're living in a glass cube still. We went to big a big book conference this summer with 2000 people uh, in Texas. So we it's not that we're afraid to venture out. We've we've been we're fully vaccinated no. and, and we done got a lot. covid while we yeah, were there. True. So. We did. We got covid. Well, actually I think we got COVID on the plane on the way there. Yes, I just hope I we didn't give it to anybody you while are we were very, there. You want us to be patient zero of, of that conference. I really, I don't think we are. I don't think that we could possibly go to Texas and be patient zero <laughs> of anything. 
Um, but I do think that that's where we got right. um, COVID. I, I don't think we were close enough or to anybody at at the conference to give them anything, a cold or anything else. Well, when you have everybody attending, almost everybody attending, getting on planes, it's most likely that that's where somebody picked it up. Whoever brought it probably brought it from the plane. Sure. You know, anyway. Um, Or from Texas. Or from Texas, yeah. We're live. We made it through. We got pretty sick. It wasn't nothing yeah. that we got. And I had a ball. Yeah. Like one of the things. He loved COVID. It one was of just the, the best that, COVID ever. The, no, I had a ball at Book Bonanza. <laughs> it was one of my choices for my for my um, my oh. favorite things this year. I had a really good time. It's this enormous conference mm-hmm. with people who love reading books. I just adored yeah. being in that environment. I am regularly subjected to people who think it's just adorable to say, <laughs> I don't read books or, I don't, you know, I don't think yeah. books books are so, you know, last century or mm-hmm. whatever. It's like, okay, that's really a bright and charming thing for you to say to me right. as a writer. Um, I just, that was my Jordan Amberson. <laughs> that was. That was very Jordan Amberson. But I really, I, I find that so tedious. We, I, Somebody who I actually have some respect for said, I think to Christopher, like, what do we need with a library? I was like, Oh Jesus, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, yeah. well, we need a repository for great thoughts and play mm-hmm. a center of learning. And just like those kinds of stupid comments. The other so, side of that though, if I can just duck in for a second is that we needed a library because it was going to provide free computer access to our community. Most of whom make under $20,000 a year. So even here in West Hollywood, that was a big a selling point of having a library as a public service. But anyway, continue. All kinds of yeah. benefits to having a library. A library is a, is a repository of knowledge. Right. Why wouldn't we need a repository of knowledge? That's just an yeah. ignorant thing and thoughtless, I think, mostly thing to say. Right. So to be surrounded by mm-hmm. people who were could not wait, they would line up and wait outside. It was almost a little terrifying. It was like Black Friday at, yeah. at, um, at Walmart, you know, with people pressed up against the doors, waiting for the, they would give the call and they would come pouring in to see writers and to see yeah. the books that they had and to buy books and to talk about books. And it was lovely. Did you see the behind the scenes? We were at our signing table in position, but so we didn't see how they were being lined up and gathered, but they were in an accompanying ballroom next door. They were filling that ballroom with their snake oh, yeah. line and then they would be let out in these, that's how many, and it was impossible to tell because when we walked in, I was like, where are all of them? You know, because they weren't in the common hallways outside. They were all in this room as big as the one we were in. Well, because most of the attendees of this conference, I mean, almost all of them, how many people go? I think it's something like 2,000, it's several thousands. thousand. Oh, I think it would yeah. be more than two. Anyway, it was thousands of yeah. people. Well, the however the many two math whizzes are on I was the gonna case. Go, I was yeah. going to go with five. Okay, um, we'll, but we'll yeah, find out. We'll ask a, Stephanie. It was a large contact. Huge yeah. conference. But because... Almost all of them are women. Yes. They had converted all of the bathrooms yeah. on the ballroom floor into yes. ladies' rooms. And yes. the only men's room was at the very end. And you had to walk past that room where everybody yes. was lined up. So that's how I saw them. That's yeah. how I was like, oh, that's where they all are. This happens. I've been doing romance conferences for a while. And this happens all the time. Or you can just go in and have a bowling game in the men's room because nobody's in there. It's completely abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really, but that was just that happened. So to be this the way is that one that, of your favorite things of 2022 was book bonanza. That's I had fantastic. A ball. It was lovely. Everybody was delightful to me. I'm not a romance writer, and nobody cared. And I mean, I think Princess Psalm is a hell of a romance, but it's not. There's no happily ever. There's after. no happily ever. So, after. which I think, which is kind of a rule apparently in romance land. Yes, but it is. Everybody forgave me, and everybody was delighted <laughs> to see me. We had that. We did that amazing. Uh, we did an episode of the podcast. Yeah. We recorded live there, which we was did. amazing and very well received. Yeah. I really no, I enjoyed it. That was one of my. That was made my list of of pop culture. I love that. You know, the thing that I experienced there that I I experienced a lot over the past few years, most most of my writing career before, I want to say up until a few years ago, I was at mystery and thriller conventions. And the affection for mom was was pretty the, the regard for her was very high, but it was nothing like when I started attending the romance conferences. That was where. 
there was a huge vocal devoted Anne Rice contingent that there were, and uh, did she ever consider herself a romance novelist? Maybe to a certain extent, but there was a sense that that emotional, passionate, sensual storytelling, this was where you find it now in the romance world. There's one writer, Pam Godwin, who came up and had our old house tattooed on her arm. And Pam had a big hit this year called Sea of Ruin or the year before, a book that I actually knew about. She had the house tattooed on her arm at 1239 First Street. So it was really, uh, it's been, it's always an unexpected welcome because like it was a a sort of nodding thing in the mystery world. Oh, you're Anne Rice's son. Congratulations about that. Ah, Good luck I'm going to go sit over here with the other men in pork pie hats and pretend like we're private detectives even though we worked in corporate advertising. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) It was fine. It was fine. Um... Well, that's great. Well, I think then one of my favorite things was probably Readers on the River, which is a thing that I do every few oh, years. That with really Ward. did look fun. Yeah. I have to say, I didn't go, but the videos of the two of you looked like a ball. So I try to, you know me, as we were saying earlier, I try to script it right. And J.R. Ward, because I interviewed J.R. Ward on stage in front of every all the attendees, and she's always very script resistant. He's like the only boy at the whole um, conference. <laughs> Boy, it's like, except, I don't know, is it 100, it's 500 people or something? I think something? it's like 800 people. Yeah. I think it's Edge is close and to 1,000. Christopher is the yeah. only boy there, Ex- and he interviews her except and her husband. for husbands and who are dragged along reluctantly, only to be subjected to my anti-male, sort of pandering anti-male jokes. And they sit there going, you know, like, we write these books because our husbands are so bad in the bedroom. And I'm like, ha ah, And they're like, I didn't know that was what y'all talked about here. Um, so there's that. And J.R. Ward's security team who raised a lot, got a lot of attention from the ladies. Yeah. Inappropriate questions were asked as to their availability and to other lines of work. I like that. Yes. Yeah, so there's that. But she really resists the script. And so I sent her the script with all these inappropriate sort of sexual questions in it. And she said, I can't, I can't, I can't answer any of these. And then she gets out on stage and brings them all up anyway. <laughs> of the audience and I was like okay well you don't have to answer them but you also didn't have to talk about them at all right if you don't bring them up nobody will even know that they were even considered so the the crowning moment or what brought the house down was that she jumped off the stage she can't stand still she's she's in heels and and is this elegant New England woman who lives in Kentucky now but she pops down off the stage and she finds a wipe off board and she intends to make a list a joke list of all the things that we can't talk about politics Penis, she writes in big letters, all this sort of stuff. And then she goes to erase penis and she can't erase it because she has used a permanent marker that was just sitting on the... And everybody lost their minds. People sprung up out of their seats trying to turn the board around. I mean, it was just everybody. That's so funny. And, you know, this is the crowd after they banned drinking in the in the ballroom. <laughs> because initially when we started this event... They would come in with booze, and the hotel said, yeah, this is not an event we're actually serving, and it needs to be our booze, and so that was banned, and they still come in lit up and ready to go. That's so, great. Yeah you, can't so yeah. Keep, yeah, you can't keep a good girl down. No, no, you can't. Good for them. Yeah. So, okay, so those are out-in-the-world things, which is, you know, good. Do you want to transition to TV or movies or well, what's I mean, next I on your list? Really, did you make a ranked list? I think really TV, uh, I don't know that I did that, but I... I made a list of the things that really stood out for me. There was a clear number one, I will say that. And it wasn't Book Bonanza. That wasn't your number one. No, I mean for television. For oh, streaming, for television. Television yeah. streaming. Streaming has become such a, I mean, with the combination of the rise of streaming and the pandemic, streaming has really become a substantial part of right. uh, entertainment. I, I, you know, I would love to go see a live show or go to a movie or whatever, but those things are just coming back online. But yeah, I had a lot of interaction with, um, with television. And okay. So, yeah. So there were I had a number of things from the list that, um, all right, well hit me. What do you want to talk about next? That wound up there. We'll, we'll do the, we'll, we'll talk about our favorite TV. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. So are you going first? I just I, went with to... Readers on the River. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Okay, okay. Well, I I really think I really thought about it. I went mm-hmm. back through all of my lists and all of my watch lists and things that I'd watched on all of the streaming services and whatever. And I have to say, I think my number one favorite for the year was Heartstopper. Ah, it was so out there. It was so sweet and so romantic, and mm-hmm. it's like nothing I've ever been gotten to see before. It mm-hmm. was. 
the successful um, adolescent gay romance. It was the thing that I will never have. Yeah. Now, I got to say to you, I was thinking about this because that has been, what you just said, has been a lot of the reasons I've heard that men our age don't want to watch it. They'll say, I'm going to be too jealous of those boys. I never had that. It's going to make me too sad, you know. And so I'm interested, but that was not your reaction. No, it was a chance to have that fantasy. Like, yeah. There were aspects, there were things that happen in porn movies that I enjoy watching that I would never do in real life. <laughs> and it doesn't take away from my enjoyment of watching them. So I We'll do to, another episode about those. So I have to say, I don't see what the difference is. You know, in a you know, I'm watching somebody fall in love and it's yeah. I obviously was denied that opportunity. I would have been probably murdered mm. if I had um, come out in high school or certainly would have been an un it certainly romance would have not have would not have been the upshot yeah right um I have seen some stories where there you know the the secret romance that was happening and that didn't happen in, in high school either so uh yeah I enjoy the vicariousness of 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 the experience so mm -hmm. that was my favorite the the other thing that was my favorite, Mm -hmm. And that is increasingly my favorite with television is apparently somebody was listening to me all and, and over these years, and I kept saying, "Why is nobody making murder mystery television?" Because, mm. honey, mm -hmm. people are making murder mystery television. Mm -hmm. The next things on my list are Annika, Murder in Provence. Harry Wilde and Reacher. Like, they, they took mm -hmm. books and ideas from the murder mystery On both world. sides of the Atlantic this time, because usually it's weighted towards the other. And I will say that the Acorn Network and the BritBox Network mm -hmm. keep me well supplied. I've got a list... Oh, wow. Of, of shows that didn't necessarily start this year, but mm -hmm. that I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. Um, that were the murder mystery has really come into its own. The those the ones that I just mentioned were really kind of top favorites, yeah. but there are so many uh, broken wood mysteries or um queens of mystery or yeah. Um my life is murder. There's a new one called Magpie Murders, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Those are new now or coming back now, and I've found some old ones. Yeah. Um I loved our flag means death. I need to go back to that. You're, you've convinced me to. I, I puttered out after two episodes. It's not a murder mystery. It's a comedy about like a gay pirate romance. Mm -hmm. It's just masculinity. The, I've heard one is what of the it weird. Is. It yeah. really is about what is what it means to be a man, and it fools around with. Um, there's there's a very uh, homosexual kind of romance component to it, and at a lot of levels, it's a very interesting, really unusual show. But it's also Really quite funny. Also, Peacemaker was hysterically funny. Peacemaker. Talk to us about Peacemaker. That's the, I just love John Cena. I oh, just think John right, Cena yeah. is, I think he's really funny and really talented. And they made a series for the character, his character from Suicide Squad, that was just, I just over the top funny. It was crazy Now, funny. do I need to watch Suicide Squad to get it? I don't think you do. Okay. I think it's pretty self-contained. And this is the second Suicide Squad we're talking about. I don't think it would There hurt. were two Suicide Squad movies. Nobody talks about the first one. This is the one, the one with Idris Elba. Yeah. This was the more recent one. I don't dislike the other one. Mm -hmm. It was just the, the second one was really the second one. The, the, um, the first one didn't, I don't think played well, but... I didn't have the kind of hostility that some people had. I, I, I'm usually pretty much aware that they're based on comic books. But so when I go in and it doesn't turn out to be Eugene O'Neill, it's like, yeah, because it was a comic book. So I'm not really, I'm not that, you know, like I'm moderating my expectations about what's right. actually going to happen. People are, well, I just thought the story didn't go anywhere. And it's like, it's a comic book right yeah right so totally you know they they were bad guys and they were good guys and there was a big fight and then the good guys won that's kind of how it goes right that's yeah. the story um i certainly you want it to be interesting and well written and i've seen some that were you know not the most exciting but yeah but oftentimes the ones that are the most popular i'm sort of the big are the biggest shrug for me anyway yeah i didn't have a big problem with that one the second one 
was kind of amazing. And one of the things that came out of it was John Santa's Peacemaker. I just think that's great. I think he is really hysterical. He did that movie with Amy Schumer, mm-hmm. Trainwreck, a couple of years ago, and he was for me the only funny thing in the whole movie. She was never funny. Yeah. I thought she was gross and kind of offensive. Yeah, right. And I like Amy Schumer, so. Mm-hmm. It's not her best. You're, I'm also dealing with the fact right now that you lifted up your list and showed it to me. You have a lot more on your list than I do. I had a hard time picking well, favorites. Honestly, the reason that I did so well was because of the murder mysteries. Yeah. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences. The page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. The other thing that was a surprising addition this year was, I think for both of us, was our sort of beginning to move into the possibility of reality programming. Discovery Plus mm-hmm. was a revelation. Mm-hmm. Like the, um, the, they need to do, mm-hmm. they need to do way more gay home improvement shows. Like good ones. Though. Yes, good ones. Yes, but like, um. Evan and Keith on um, your favorites bargain block. Well, it's a toss up because I also like Nate and Jeremiah. Jeremiah, yeah, they are really amazing. David Bromstad is great, but he doesn't ever do home makeover shows. So this is the color guy. He was about color. Yeah, Yeah, I like him, but I usually only watch him on like the competition shows because he never really does home improvement shows. Did but they're older, right? They're like a half hour, and he only goes in and like repaints the living room. You know what I mean? It's all it's it's all about color. He never does the the renovation thing that other people do. I've only seen him do that the one time the season that he was on. Rock the Block. That was the thing that brought us into it. Yes, absolutely. Never heard of it before, and off we went. So that was sort of amazing. But really, the bulk of my list is is um, murder mysteries. The bulk of my list is dark historic, historical anything. It's not all historical fiction. Like, this was the year I discovered American Experience on PBS. Like, And there were two ones. I don't, I don't know how new they are. I think they are newer. One was called um, Flood in the Desert, which was about the collapse of the St. Francisville Dam in 1920. Real cheerful stuff. Real just take you out of your problems This is, stuff. yeah, Christopher's com- yeah. the basis for Christopher's next comic novel. Right. Uh, explore the 1928 collapse of the St. Francis Dam is what the synopsis says. Like, we're going to go on a tour of the wreckage. But that's a story of William Mulholland and didn't didn't engineer the dam correctly. Kind of destroyed his sanity, knowing how many people died in the collapse. And then there was another chapter in history I knew absolutely nothing about, which was an outbreak of the bubonic plague in San Francisco in 1901, oh, which was um, uh, documented in something called Plague at the Golden Gate, another episode of American Experience. But that th- they it was how they discovered how bubonic plague was transmitted. Like, so is American Experience your 
new your favorite for the year? It's probably no Heartstopper was actually my favorite for the year. And we did an episode about Heartstopper. We did. So go back in our archive if you want to hear us talk more about it. But yeah, there's nothing like Heartstopper. I will tell you what edge just barely onto my list of favorites for the year was Fire Island on Hulu. I really quite enjoyed yeah. Fire Island. I counted yeah. that as a movie, not as a TV as show. As a movie, yeah. So we're talking about TV right now. But yeah, American Experience was really it for me. But you turned me on to a show that had been around for a while that I didn't actually know anything about, which was Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, my God. Wow. That is really an amazing show. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. And it's these little, it's a series of, like, well, to call them anim animated is like to undersell them. They are at the leading edge of what you can do with animation. And every episode will present you with a different sort of type of animation. Some will be highly digital. Some will be more old-fashioned. Really dark. Like every trigger warning you can think of oh going God. in Even really Even though some bleak. of them can be yeah. a little on the funnier side, they are really— Still dark, yeah. It is still a very— Real, but it is an amazing visually. Yeah, uh, I just different directors, completely different right. styles, total departure. One, I what do they call it? an anthology show? Yes, it's an a, anthology one, series. One episode has short. nothing to do with the next. They, they vary in really length. Short. Some of them are ten minutes. Some of them are fifteen minutes. Some of them are twenty minutes. I don't think much of them are longer than twenty minutes. Oh though. yeah, and some of them yeah. are like five minutes. Like it, it just really depends on the topic fascinating. I could not stop watching. But to get back to A Plague at the Golden Gate, I just wanted to say that was how they discovered that fleas on rats were transmitting the bubonic plague, because before then, their strategy was racism. They blamed it on the Chinese without any scientific evidence at all, and it was horrible local policies and, you know, just terrible. But the, the science was born out of that outbreak. I didn't know bubonic plague was breaking out in 1900. I was completely ignorant to that side of history. So anyway, plague at the Golden Gate. So basically, watch what I'm recommending to bring yourself down, and then watch what Eric is recommending to bring yourself back up. That's the Eric Chris seesaw here at TDPS <laughs> Network. Because like I got you were, but. But the mysteries that you like can get a little dark, but they're all about closure, which is what we always talk about, right? The mystery genre is it's about closure. It's the thing that I really do like about closure, but like Shetland is on my list, and that yeah. can be a little bleak. Long Call, which was actually 2021. I wanted to put that on my list, was, but was, that was, was last really year. was really dark. Dog Leash, pretty yeah. dark, also 2021. But all um, these are stories about detectives solving the case. Right. Right. They are, you're about coming to some sort of solution, even if sometimes the solution is kind of like... Wow. Yeah. Or you can go with things like Agatha Raisin or Father Brown or mm -hmm. Miss Fisher's Mysteries or those where it's just going to be light and frothy the whole time, yeah, which right. I also don't mind having that option with it. And it started to spill over into the movies. Well, I will say before we get off TV, I'm doing an honorable mention to The Dresses in The Empress on Netflix. Not a great show. A lot of problems with the show. Adorable boys in that show. A great cast. It's a picked up for another season. Picked up for another season. I have never commented on the... I'm not a clothes horse. I have never commented on the costumes in anything I've ever seen, but the dresses and the empress. The overall visual quality of the show is really astounding. It's a, it's a sensual feast. The scripting, I thought, could use some work. But, um, <laughs> but the dresses, man. The dresses. Also, I misdirected some of our good lesbian friends because there seem to be allusions to sapphic love in the beginning of the series. Those do not pan out in the first season. I'm just going to tell you so that nobody else gets led down the wrong path. Very sad. I'll be doing a listening tour of the lesbian community to talk about how my my actions have impacted them. Which um, means he's going to have brunch with his cousin Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got her own drinks business. <laughs> Mail order cocktails Middle from bar. New Orleans. Middle bar. We love Corey. Okay, so I, I guess we wrapped up TV and you had a lot more there than well, I did. Well, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, did I, I think so. I'm looking to see if there are any standouts that I didn't get around to mentioning, but I think we got the... I love that you mentioned lo Love and... Um, love, Death, and Robots. I mean, that's not new, but the third season, I believe, came out this year, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. It, if you haven't seen it, um, it's, it's a visual feast and really a treat, and like, if one of them really leaves you cold, just watch another one. It'll, yeah, totally. It'll, it'll transform you. I didn't mention Sister Boniface, Professor T, Senora Volpe, you had it. Endeavor, well, I'm gonna... Redemption, Darby and Joan. Oh, my God. Magpie but, Murder. Eric Shaw Quinn, you had a journey with Sister Boniface. Like, you didn't start, you were not a Sister Boniface stan right from the start. I will tell you, the pilot, I was like, if she keeps that vo tone of voice, I am not going to make it. <laughs> what was the tone of voice? It was like, do you remember, did you ever watch... Um, 
WKRP in Cincinnati? I did, but I don't remember it Do incredibly well. Do you remember well. Herb's wife? No, I don't. She was Herb. Like everything was way right. up there. It was right. really pitched up and it was really whatever. Her, yeah, it was a tone of voice thing with the leading actress. Like, I think it's fine for a character actress to come in and sound like a cartoon right. character for a minute. Sure. But it can't be your leading actress. You you need somebody no. who's got yeah. a little more, mm-hmm. um, a little more bass, a little more, um, yeah, uh, yeah, inner voice to to be to be your leading lady, and she wasn't. And I I remember saying I was like, oh my god, if she keeps this tone of voice, I am not going to last. It's not a bad show, but yeah. it's the Father Brown people, so right. The the whole aesthetic was there, but the leading lady I thought was going to, and I think she must have gotten that note. Yeah, after the pilot, she heard because you. she heard you, it, she fixed it, and it was great for the remainder. She became, it became a lot more conversational. That's good. Maybe she was just nervous, but yeah, that yeah. one, that one really was. Yeah, that was. But I think that is often the case. I start with something, and then it's like, oh my god, this is just going to, you know, it, well, it seems he, like it's not, and then it turns out. Here's to be. the big takeaway, though, about this episode of our podcast, which is that Eric watches a lot more television than I do. And I go down a lot more disturbing YouTube rabbit holes than he does. A lot of times when I hit the sofa, I'm like, I'm going to research everything about the Titanic I can find on YouTube. And then he's like, what did you watch last night? I was like, well, there was this guy who might be a little crazy who was outside next to a river yelling at me about how the Titanic was sunk by Nazis or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Although I did. You're the one, one who found that conspiracy. Found the conspiracy. Yeah. Room, uh, the thing about the, the yeah, was the, yeah. was it really the Titanic or were they, was it the Olympia? That was they it were, the Olympic? And yeah. were they intentionally trying to sink it or did it? Was the, it just the most ridiculous story ever when you think about it? Just, like those things sucker you in and then you're like, wait a minute, they went to all this effort to sink a ship in the middle of the ocean and they didn't have any lifeboats on hand and they didn't have this and they it just was yeah, like yeah no. the planning was it was very badly planned if right. it was the case but it's very suspicious if you listen to it it's fascinating it's like okay, I can see how you think that incompetence always seems suspicious in the light of history I'll the, be here all week tip the, your waiter the other thing that I just um, my honorable mention from it's kind of from television but it's kind of just pop culture in general was hashtag free the Menendez that was another mm-hmm. of my favorite things from this year mm-hmm. it's start we done it did an episode about it so I won't dwell on it right um, there are a couple of shows out about them right now but it's about revisiting the injustice of that case and mm-hmm. the the rise of that hashtag and that yeah. idea on TikTok I think particularly but so media rediscovering that case and saying why are these men still in prison yeah after being beaten molested and raped all of their childhood mm-hmm. and finally killing their parents like not a good solution if your parents are terrible tell somebody don't kill your parents yeah. that's not the solution but they have certainly served their time for that crime and mm-hmm. should be released and the people who put them there should actually be sent to jail mm-hmm. um growing thing but that was i just wanted to throw that in before we went to movies movies yes movies are the other movies okay so i already brought up fire island on hulu why don't we talk about that you said that was on your list too or did i did i just put that on your list no no that's actually that absolutely is on my list that was fun and kind of lighthearted and beautiful and very well done i mean there were things would i have changed it would i've done it differently sure but i think they did a very nice job of Finding an adaptation for that particular story, I think the best adaptation of of that story is a is for as a novel called Dancer from the Dance. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was something I discovered when we tried to have a reading club. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a book club. It lasted for a yeah, while, but yeah. J.K. Rowling killed our book club. Yeah, J.K. Rowling yeah. killed our book club with the. Casual vacancy, God. which is none of us wanted to finish it. We none were like, of us we read, can't. none of us could finish no. the book. Like it was getting people to finish the books was always a challenge, anyway. But when we got to that one, even Christopher and I couldn't finish no. the book because it was just too boring. Yeah. Um, so we stopped. Sorry, J.K. Love your work, but not that one. Mm-hmm. That was a dud. Um, so yeah, but we did a back-to-back read. We read Pride and Prejudice, which I'd never actually read as a book, or if I had, it had been so long ago I'd forgotten. And then we read Dancer from the Dance, and we realized how close, how similar those are. What would really competent, really intelligent people do if the only thing available to them was to marry well? Yeah. How would that be? Or their romance life, their romantic right. life. Obviously, nobody in Dancer from the Dance could get married, but it was all about strategizing to be successful in the 
romantic sexual the arena. sexual arena yeah your sexual how sexually desirable were you it didn't really matter what was on the inside right your character right absolutely um but I, uh, but it was still a fun story I I, I, w- I thought it was remarkable to see this isolated um I don't want to say exclusive maybe gay enclave that I had visited multiple times over the years depicted in a major film it was astonishing to me they truly yeah. shot most of it on Fire Island in the Pines, with the exception of the rich person's house, which was clearly on Cape Cod yeah, or some other part was, of Long yeah. Island. It was just not on California. Fire Island. The interior of the houses were complete. The lots are so small on Fire Island that every house, even if it's a really expensive house, you go inside, it's like a cubby hole because it's just the lots are small. Um, so that wasn't accurately, but the dock, the bars, all the public spaces, the trees, the beaches, it was so. I, I'm used to seeing that in walk porn films. Lane. Yeah, it was a walk down memory lane uh, without my. Lucas along with you so <laughs> it was really it was it was remarkable and I liked that it was a fun upbeat storyline and I thought some of it was interesting I thought the treatment of the really hot guy who was posting only fans videos of people he was having sex with without their consent was interesting that was an interesting like, choice to, yeah to how they came up with that well how they made that yeah. character a bad guy yeah I thought that was right and that actor holy moly yeah what a what a handsome gentleman he right? is yeah not Absolutely. hard to look at. So that was great. Uh, the um, Because I can't stay away from dark history for very long, my favorite movie is one that I didn't actually hear a lot of people talk about this year or ever. It's a foreign language film. It's Swedish. It's called Margrethe, Queen of the North. And it is, again, about a chapter in history I had never heard of. 1402, Queen Margrethe is the ruler of Sweden, and she is trying to put together something called the Kalmar Union, which is the kind of a, an alliance of Scandinavian. Yeah, that's it. Getting my history degree out with that one. Scandinavian nations to, I believe, stand against Russia or the rising threat of whatever Russia was at that point in history. And she is ruling through her adopted son because the story is that her biological son, who would be the heir to the throne, was murdered, I think, or you know disappeared, and someone really significant. <laughs> someone claiming to be her son shows up. Oh, and shit gets real, and it's dark. <laughs> it's dark, but it's stark and beautifully shot, and. All these, you've seen these, if you've watched anything remotely Scandinavians, you have seen these actors playing roles and whatever. It's like their bet, their A-list over there in uh-huh. that region. And uh, female director, I just, I was I was a fan. But again, the get your mood elevators ready. Get ready to watch an episode of My Life is Murder when you're done. Because it's, <laughs> it is a downer. Uh, so yeah, so that was that. And the, one of the other movies that I liked was Operation Mincemeat. Which was on Netflix. I got that yeah. oh. honorable mention. So on why my, don't you on talk my, about that in the my time movies. we have left? It was well, it's a real historical story. Yeah, I'm um, told with I mean top flight talent, Colin Firth and uh, uh, Oh McFadden. It was your mom's favorite, Matthew McFadden. Matthew McFadden. Oh, she yeah. loved herself. She Has a Matthew McFadden. She did love him. Um, and uh, just wonderful cast. But it's dealing with this really sort of off-the-wall story that has recently, I think, come to light. It was it was something, it was spycraft at the time, and so it was top secret for years, and nobody knew that it happened, but it was a way in which um, the, uh, the, the, the people, um, the, the, I guess it was the birth of MI6. I'm not sure if they mm. were, if there actually was an MI6 prior to them, but it was the way that um, espionage was used to misdirect uh, the Germans in an invasion attempt of, I think, of Italy, of Sicily mm-hmm. or Italy or the south of um, Southern European um, right. invasion. It's a fascinating story, and it's well done and well put together. They, I think they've dramatized some elements that were like, mm, maybe, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, but it gives the story really fun. And the, the, the actors do a wonderful job of it. it. Yeah, definitely on my my honorable mention, my favorite movie, I'm going to say, of the mm-hmm. year was uh, The Lost City. Oh, was it really? That's a great one. I just loved it. It was like, what if I wrote a... It's Mm rom-com, you know, from from the gate. It's about a romantic 
it's about a right. Yeah, it's about romance right, right. So it's sort of, to me, it was um, romancing the stone for the 21st century. It totally was. Yeah. It was, yeah. Channing Tatum, Brad Pitt, and Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you Daniel can Daniel Radcliffe is the villain. Right. And yeah. was hysterically funny. Yeah. I, I don't know how you can go wrong yeah. with, with that particular cast. It was really. It was pretty much perfect. The script yeah. was brilliant. Every line was funny. It's not any a minute longer than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It never drags. Everything about it was a ball. It yeah. was a ball. I was also a fan of Bullet Train. Oh yeah, but that has a snake in it. I can't Brad watch. Pitt and and Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Um, Sandra Bullock is in Bullet Train. Yeah. Oh god, I gotta yeah. get over that snake. They. they oh yeah, yeah. You really do. Um. It because the snake is really just something that you see passing by. Yeah. And the resolution of the snake plot, which I will not spoil, mm-hmm. is actually so brilliant. Right. That it's almost worth having watched it. Mm-hmm. Um the cast is amazing. It's everybody is in it. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. Um, it it really is fun. And then I just wanted to give a shout out to Murder Mysteries are also happening at the movies. Death on the Ni- Death on the Nile came mm-hmm. out. Uh, Kenneth Branagh is continuing his Agatha Christie series, which is way better than anything that's happening new with Agatha Christie on television currently. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know what their ideas with yeah. Agatha Christie are right now, but there's somebody out there who's continuing to massacre mm-hmm. Agatha Christie. So I, there's I can't really recommend anything recently because the old ones are wonderful, but the recent ones are I just I, it's like if you didn't want to write the story, then mm-hmm. why did you want to do Agatha right. Christie? Like, yeah, totally. Just, I don't understand it at all. But Death on the Nile is, the the Kenneth Branagh adaptations are great. There's a new one called See How They Run, mm-hmm. which is great fun, um, with Sorsha, Sorsha Ronan, I think mm-hmm. it is, and uh, Sam Rockwell. Okay. Um, as the leads. And there's a new one, there's a new um, Knives Out called Glass Onion. Yeah, that's that coming. Yet to prepare, yeah. which, uh, premiere, which may be the thing that gets me back to the movie theaters. Okay, I had one book uh, that's really my favorite of the year that I wanted to throw in right at the what? end. Yeah, it was called A Splendid Ruin by an author named Megan Chance, who has now become, as they say, my auto-buy author. I will buy anything from her. Although I made I contact that. with her on Instagram, so she's sending me an advanced copy of her next book. <laughs> Smell me! Um, pick up that name. Pick up that name I just dropped. Okay. Good for you. Um, historical fiction set in San Francisco in 1905. You know what that means. A big event is coming on I'm the calendar. I'm thinking that's right around the corner. A young woman named Mae Kimball is lured to San Francisco by her wealthy cousins. Her mother has just died, and she has been left destitute, and her cousins are offering to take care of her at their Pacific Heights mansion. And right away, she realizes everything is not as it seems. The domestic help is trying to give her messages that she might be in trouble. They're taking her around town and introducing her to society, but they're sort of controlling who she gets to meet. Things get really, really weird. They do something really terrible. I don't want to give too much away, but you have to get to the setup. They institutionalize her unjustifiably in this period. So, like, think of The Changeling, the movie we talked yes, about. Yes, dear God. Okay. You're, you realize you've been fucked over by your relatives. You're in an institution. And then the earthquake happens, and you're free. And you can get <laughs> revenge. <laughs> it's one of the best revenge stories I've ever read. And it's also, like, Megan Chance has been writing really beautiful historical fiction for years. She's one of those authors that, like, other authors are always championing. And it looks like she finally got a big break with this book because it was a big bestseller on Amazon. So um, I highly recommend it. I hope I didn't give too much away, but you've got to get to that point. Because, like, I don't do false imprisonment well. It's, like, one of my triggers. It's, like, I don't – if the whole story is going to be – and when I got to it, I was like, oh, this book is so well written and I love it so much. And, and then you're going to be trapped in prison for the whole book. Like, yeah. Then I realized the earthquake was going to set her free. Anyway, so next week we're back to um, talking about true crime. We've got a true crime special edition. We're going to be doing a short documentary series all in one episode of our podcast. The series is called Low Country Dynasty. Low Ooh, so co- a special oh, edition. Did I get that right? No, it's called, um, I'm ignoring my own notes here. Low Country Murder. Murder, is that it? Are we guessing? Let's see. I'm going to I think that's up. right. Low, low Country. 
That's it. It's Low Country, the Murtaugh Dynasty. Oh, all right. Yeah, then. so there we go. It's on HBO Max if you're streaming stuff. But as we always say here, you do not need to watch it. We will serve it up for you in enough detail that you will feel like you have. And you can pretend to your friends that you have. Or maybe we'll inspire you to watch it. Who yeah, knows? maybe so. However you want to play it, it's entirely up to you. We'll be here either way talking about Low Country, the Murdoch Dynasty. Because, oh my God, I think we've mentioned the... This murders before because it's just one of those like it's oh, everywhere. My God, the story is everywhere, and I knew almost nothing about it until we until we watched this series. So I, I was excited to dive in, and we're going to dive in. Yeah, in I've been episode. sort of following from the sidelines, and I think there was even a Dateline that I may have watched, but Look like this was new. This was yeah, yeah, because this was one of those. This was like the Lori Vallow. I started hearing about it, and I was like. What the fuck? Yeah. What's going on? Also, who are these people? Where did this happen? They did what? Also, you lived in South Carolina for many years. Right. So we're going to find out if you knew any of these MFers. Right. Yeah, all there right. are lots to be revealed next week. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shawquan. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.